Welcome to episode 126. Today we have a returned guest, Andy Heller. If you're curious, you can check out our previous episode, 119, Andy Heller, Take the High Road, Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family. Today we continue the, this conversation about divorcing with compassion. Andy teaches real estate investing to new and seasoned investors around the country and runs a successful international freight forwarding company. After his own divorce, Andy saw a crucial hole in the self-help space for men and women navigating through divorce. And the book that he wrote is his give back effort to make the process easier for those who are considering or who are on the divorce path. You can check out the link to purchase the book, Take the High Road Divorces Compassion for Yourself and Your Family in episode notes. Thank you for reviewing, downloading and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. Enjoy this conversation with Andy. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Something exciting happened as a result of this podcast on December 9, 2022. Soul Parent Book, Inspirational Wisdom and Guidance on Navigating Life as a Single Parent was born. This is a collection of the most inspiring and powerful stories from wonderful guests over the last 33 months in my podcast, Single Parent Success Stories, stories of accomplishments, challenges, and breakthroughs of single parents as well as experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. When I started my podcast, my goal was to create a guide to single parents by sharing inspiring stories that remind us there is light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing is lost. It's an opportunity for a rebirth and a reinventing of yourself. It's an opportunity to look at life and become conscious of where you are headed and an invitation to create a life by design. If you like to get a copy of the book, please follow links in the episode notes. All proceeds are going to the Kinship Charity. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today we have a return guest, Andy Heller. Andy is a successful businessman and not a divorce professional, such as divorced attorney. But after going through his own divorce, he decided he found that there was a big gap missing in the uh, education industry, uh, how people uh, go through divorce. So that caused him to write this amazing book. And we talked a lot about it during a previous episode. So welcome, Andy. It is a pleasure to have you back again. Rena, it's my pleasure. I remember my, my my one powerful memory from our first podcast was I think you and I could have spoken for five hours. So it's great to be back. And um, I'm happy to, to talk more and hopefully give some tips that can help some people out. Yes. So in a short, I call it, if you could introduce yourself, kind of a short preview, what led you to write the book and 
a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, uh, a successful businessman. I've run other businesses. Uh, about 20 years ago, I wrote two uh, best-selling books about real estate investing. And while the books did well, I swore I would never write another book because it's a very laborious process and I'm a perfectionist. So it takes a lot of time. Um, that changed about uh, eight years ago. I had my own divorce. And um, so a couple of things about me is when I'm stressed, I don't sleep a lot, number one, and I just start to write and take notes. Um, when my mom was passing away and in hospice, the notes I was writing because I couldn't sleep uh, became a, a really powerful article that got covered in five national newspapers in the Mother's Day after she passed. <clears throat> so while I'm going through my own divorce, I'm taking all these notes, all right? And um, then my, at that time, wife and I, who were separating, we were in with a co-parent counselor. And she said to both of us, you know, you both have a lot of drama going on. I think you can benefit from a therapist. I'm like, well, you know, it can't hurt. All right. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll take the therapist, but I want a therapist who specifically has worked with divorced men. Okay. Um, and I met this amazing therapist and she was like my rudder. All right. The other thing about me, Arena, is I am a very I'm a Dale Carnegie disciple. I'm, I'm a compromise-oriented, reasonable guy. Um, I'm the person that my friends come to for, for advice when they have issues, all right? And that's because I, I think very pragmatically. I try to always look at both sides, all right? So I'm going through my own divorce. I'm writing all these notes. I'm also reading a lot of other books, all right? And a number of times I would go into the therapist and I can give an example if you want, once I'm done with my story, I would go into the therapist's office, something would happen and I would delay acting on it. I thought it through, but I have this appointment with the therapist. I'm going to talk to the therapist about it, make sure she agrees with me. And then I'm going to leave and act on it. So I cannot tell you how many times I walked into her office with a plan to do something based on something I was dealing with with my, my, my ex-wife. I said, okay, this happened and this is what I'm going to do. And she would listen to me very politely. Then she would go into her therapy speak. Well, you know, Andy, I'm glad you thought it through. I'm very good that you, 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 you've thought it through and you have your plan, but you're not going to do what you want. You're going to do this instead, which is the opposite. <laughs> and I would sit and, and watch and listen how this advice would come out of her mouth, which was in many cases, 180 degrees from what I intended to do. And again, I think I'm a pretty reasonable man and a reasonable thinker during conflict. And I would listen to her and I was so moved by how many times my gut instincts were wrong. Because after I listened to her, and sometimes I had a little bit of pushback, but she would explain. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I need to do what you're suggesting, not what I plan to do. So the takeaway point that I left with Arena was I, I, we divorcees, no matter how reasonable a thinker we might be, we are not aware of the degree to which we are emotionally compromised and not able to make good decisions. And there was one incident, one story that was the impetus for me writing the book, because then I, I looked at all my notes 
By this time, I'd read <clears throat> half a dozen other books on divorce. And these other books are not bad. I mean, I'm a big believer that if you spend 20 bucks and buy a book and you can get three hours reading it and you can get one tip, all right, it, it, it's good. But what, what differs with my book is that divorce is an experiential journey. And during this journey, you're going to do some things good, some things kind of okay that you could have done better, and a lot of things horribly wrong. And you're going to realize this at the end of the journey. <clears throat> and that's the problem is you've already made these mistakes that are affecting your life, your ex's life, and most importantly, your children's lives. But if you had this, these tips on day one, not day 400 or 500, you can navigate the journey better. And the same thing applies to the post-divorce world co-parenting, and that can last 10 or 15 years that you have to deal with your, your ex. So my book is basically 46 tips and strategies of situations which we divorcees are likely to encounter most of these. We arm the divorcee with these on day one so that as a divorcee encounters these situations, both during the divorce and post-divorce co-parenting, he or she can manage and handle the situations differently. So another way to talk about it, my book's kind of like a one-stop shop for how to get the, through a divorce and land in a healthy place, you, your ex, and your children. And then in the post of probably about 60% of my book deals with once you've signed the papers, all right, now I got to co-parent with this person. All right, just sign the papers doesn't end. It might end the marriage. It doesn't end co-parenting. So a lot of the tips deal with how to co-parent effectively. Sometimes if you're in a toxic situation, you still got to raise your kids well, and you don't want your kids to be affected by your own divorce. So anyhow, um, that's what led me to write the book and what I'll really will still end with. And then we'll go to some, start with some conversation and questions. My book is just kind of new still, but I'm very humbled by the, uh, the reviews I've got from the therapy community that it, they say it's something that uh, they haven't seen before. And again, most of your divorce books are written by, from a certain perspective, a divorce attorney, a therapist, uh, a divorce coach. I'm none of those things. I'm a guy who went through his own divorce and this has been an eight year project and, and I'm the author of the book, but what I really am is the compiler in chief. I went and I took my notes and I began a process eight years ago to interview dozens of therapists, family therapists, children's therapists, individual therapists, dozens of divorce attorneys, and so countless couples who went through toxic and challenging divorces, yet they landed in a good place. So what I've done is I've organized the counsel and the tips and presented this in a manner that hopefully is a one-stop shop for us divorcees. That's my story. <laughs> I love it. That's incredible and well done. <laughs> collecting the success stories because yes so many toxic relationship and divorce rates are skyrocketing i think it's a good idea to have a guide and on day one as opposed yes. to, like you said so thank you 
before we started recording, we had we talked about what we're gonna concentrate on this podcast. So we, I want to uh, dig into that. Uh, so what were some of the challenges uh, when a new called after divorce, as you bring a new person into children's life? This is probably one of the most significant and and uh, 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 topics and also the opinions went all over the place when i wrote this and interviewed all these different divorcees on when and how they introduced their former ex sorry their new partner to their kids um they were all over the place so the i actually went for the guidance from the therapy community. So let's talk first about when, then let's talk about how. When, I'm gonna give you all two tips. <clears throat> so your heart may be like, oh, I met this person that's special and I, I want my kids to, to, to meet him or meet her. Your kids may not be ready for that. And it's not about what you want. It's about what your kids are ready for. So this is point number one. So the two guidances from the therapy community are A, make sure you have at least six months with that person before you make the introduction. Okay? You can find yourself madly in love after a month, but you're going to wait five, five more at least. The second guidance, and I think this is actually really important, is you need to ask yourself a very honest question. Do you see yourself with that person two years hence? So you may be with that person for seven months, but you don't see him or her as being long-term. Then your children do not need to meet that partner. That partner can be somebody who helps you, somebody who um, is important to you at the time, and they don't necessarily need to meet your children or or vice, or the children don't need to meet him or her, okay? So those are the two key variables. In terms of how, this is a, I'm gonna answer this with a great story. So with all these interviews I've done, the, the, the stories that I got were just, um, some of them were amazing and a lot of them went into the book. And there were some stories that are of, of people who did things that just blew up just horribly wrong and some home runs. This to me was a, a real home run. So this was a divorced man. His children um, were on the younger side. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the boy was eight and the daughter was 10. So he knew he was with somebody who was gonna be a long-term partner and he eventually married her. So he was right. Um, so the two initial check boxes, six months, do I see myself with this person in two years? Both those boxes were checked. So what he, what he looked at was like, you know, and by this time, okay, his children had already met um, I've, uh, one or two of his exes boyfriends and they didn't stick around all right and the way this man's story ended was um this ended up being the only woman his children ever met 
besides the mom, which is really the perfect situation. All right. Now let's get back to how he looked at this. He's like, you know, I want to make this where my, my, my kids are not like super focused on this. And I also want to take pressure off of my soon to be spouse or, or girlfriend, sorry. And um, so I'm just going to make it kind of chill and fun. So what this guy did, he went and he ordered squirt guns on Amazon. All right. And again, keep in mind the, the, the age of the kids. You don't know if you can do this when the children are 15 or 16, but you can do it when they're younger. So <clears throat> the children were with him and his girlfriend knocks on the door and he says, hey, this is my girlfriend. We're going to play a game like right away. He gave everybody squirt guns and say, like, who gets the wettest before dinner? <laughs> All right. And uh, let's just say that everybody's wearing dark shirts. <laughs> so and they basically had a water gun squirt contest in the house running. The kids were hiding under beds. And oh, the teams, the daughter said, oh, can, can I be? Let's pretend that 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 the girl that the girlfriend's name is Susan. Can I be on Susan's team? Sure. So it's boys against girls. All right, running around, they're just going nuts, laughing, having a blast. All right, and um, so this went on for about a half an hour while din dinner's cooking. All right, all right, game ends. Everybody puts on a dry shirt. All right, they sit down and have dinner, but the sun's not there. I'm like, uh. Like, like, where's the sun? So the dad gets up, finds the son in the bathroom. He'd gone into like the party drawer and was filling up all these water balloons. And the dad says, let's say the son's name is John. John, what are you doing? It's like, dad, reinforcements for after dinner. <laughs> he said, yes, stop it. We're not throwing water balloons in the house. Sit down, let's have dinner. They had dinner, and as kind of an affirmation that it worked, the dad explained that as the girlfriend was leaving, the daughter gave her a hug and said, when are we going to see you again? And she said, I, I'm not sure. That'll be up to your dad, but it'll be soon. And that was the first meeting. So it wasn't like this big buildup. I've got somebody special in my life, and I want you to meet her. Uh, it was like they figured that out on their own when that person kept being around. But it was a really fun and novel way to um, to to uh, to meet the new partner. What my takeaways from this story is, um, and this is the same if you have older children, don't build it up. Just say, hey, there's I am seeing somebody. I'd like you to meet him, him. I'd like you to meet her and plan something fun. Keep it brief. The other part of that story is that it was not a full day. It was not a weekend. It was an activity, a water gun fight, followed by dinner and a quick departure. So you start off with a, a small sampling, then it grows from there. So I, I, I love that story, Arena. I think all of us, that are dealing with or thinking about, you know, how to make this introduction can learn a lot from that, that just fabulous story. 
Yes, I love it. And you made it so easy, so simple, and nothing, nothing big, just a fun outing or yeah. not even an outing at home. And simple, simple yeah. is always best. Yeah, and 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 don't take away everybody from, from the that story that this isn't a big deal for the children. But you don't want to make it a big deal. Right. All right. Um, now there are some things while we're talking about this, let's talk about other uh issues. Um, you know, it's gonna be I'll get another story around this, okay? This is a a father who um coached his son's soccer team. The father was a lifelong soccer player. It was his space. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the ex-wife begins dating a, a, a Latin guy who grew up playing soccer and buys the son a soccer ball as a gift. Okay. And the father, like, oh, it just, he, he said, he, he, in the interview, he said, my blood was boiling. And that's my space. How dare he enter my space? Right. And he's just trying to, to, to win my son's love. All right. There's, there's a lot of powerful points we can take away from this story. Number one is that you need to let that go. All right. You're, you cannot be, you do not have a right to be concerned about what goes on in your former partner's home unless your children are somehow not safe okay and he went on to say that his ex was a wonderful uh, um mom um she had a safe home um the children were not waking up with strange men coming out of the bathroom all the time um and he knew that so he can be upset about that he can allow his blood to boil. That's the type of thing you go in and you talk to your therapist about, all right? But you need to let it go because your children are safe, all right? Now, if your former spouse is dating somebody and you hear from the children something different, like there's, might suggest that there is a dependency issue um, or something else that's not safe, that is an issue that you have a right to begin asking questions and even taking steps to make sure that your children are safe. But your kids getting a gift that you'd rather than not get from a new partner, you got to blow it off. Um, it, it's it's part of the divorce world. It's, you know, um, you know, <laughs> and unless that's in the your MSA agreement that um, the former partners have the right to approve gifts from new partners, it's not within your right, and you need to let it go. Mm-hmm. All right. One last thing I'll leave, I'll, I'll touch on on that on that topic, um, and uh, I'll I'll see what your your thoughts are, Arena. Is um, you can also expect from younger children that um, you may hear things like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with mom's new boyfriend. All right, now, this could mean 
that there's an issue going on and you have the right to look into that. It could also mean I don't like seeing mom with a man other than dad. Okay, this is how young kids think. Um, and one of the interviews I did uh, reflected that exact story. The daughter said, I was uncomfortable with mom's new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. um, mom's new boyfriend was harmless. It was just that what she was really saying is that I don't like seeing mom with anybody other than dad, because I, a lot of kids have that fantasy of mom and dad getting back together. And that man was, was destroying that fantasy. That didn't make him a bad guy. And it didn't put the kids in danger. It's just a reality of divorce. And this is not an easy thing for we, uh, um, we divorcees to process. But you do, you do have the right to ask a few questions and to, to, to you, if there's a suggestion that your children might not be safe, okay? You really don't have a right to pry if it's just something that makes you uncomfortable, like a gift that shouldn't have been given in your opinion or something like that. So drawing that line, I'll, the first thing I'll say is it's really not easy because these things that you hear can strike an emotional chord, but it is important to draw that line and just, you got to focus on, did what I hear from my children suggest that they might not be safe in that home? That's pretty much all it comes down to. Thank you. Yeah, you do bring a, a good valid point. <laughs> that you know we, we can't really how you said in the other episode that we cannot really control other people we can control ourselves and yes. the situation the children are they're young and it's understandable that this is how they want to see yeah. sometimes it takes time to process things and stuff so yeah and and you know i also one of the things that i'll say in writing this book is that i think we we divorcees need to be kinder to ourselves. Um, recognize divorce is not easy. And um, we are going to be affected by some of these things that we hear. And that's normal. It's going to bother us. No matter, no matter if you're taking personal steps, like you're checking in on Arena's regular podcast, you're reading my book, um, you're going to a therapist, that those things alone are going to definitely help you, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It can be really difficult. And some of the things that we are going to hear from our children um, are going to really strike emotional chords. Yes. And speaking of the challenges, have you, what, what do you think about uncooperative co-parenting situations and how, how to navigate uh, that uh, dilemma? Boy, um, that's probably 60% of my book. So let's attack that um, with, with some, first some powerful tips. Number one, uh, if you have an uncooperative or even a toxic former spouse and you are co-parenting with that person, 
The first cold hard fact is to accept that there you cannot, that person is not going to change uh, and you cannot require that person to change. So you've got to focus on unilateral steps, things that you yourself can do to make it easier on you to deal with him or her. Okay, so that your children are not affected or as affected as little as possible. And so it's easier on you. So you'll notice if you read through my book, a lot of the counsel in the co-parenting section deals with unilateral steps that you can take that are designed to eventually result in a change in behavior from your former spouse. But they allow you to deal with the obstruction you're getting um, without uh, requiring that person to change because they might not. And that has to be accepted. And that's probably in many cases, one, one of the reasons why you got divorced is because that person had these certain tendencies and that's not gonna change when you sign your divorce document. So accepting and understanding that and coming up with strategies to deal with that, that's really, really important. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Do you have any personal experiences that you like to share? Um, yeah, yeah, I will, um, I'll give a great story. And that's uh, this is a story in the book where um, the, the dad was, uh not happy with the divorce and was really um was really intrusive on his former wife's desire to begin leading her own life uh, particularly dating all right and <clears throat> if she was out for the evening and the kids were with him he would be particularly inquisitive and try to disrupt her evening. And the the uh, the woman when I interviewed her recounted recanted one particular evening where she's on a date mm -hmm. and something you know the 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 daughter was having a meltdown and these things happen these things happen in under two parent households um, and the the. Uh, the former husband, the dad kept texting her incessantly. Listen, you don't be so selfish. Stop, uh, you need to come here immediately and help address the situation. Now, she asked a few questions just to make sure that, that the child was safe. The child was safe, all right? And she just said, I, I think you can handle this. Um, very polite and vanilla. But eventually, her answer was, I will be, I will not answer any more texts unless there is a health emergency where the children need to go to the hospital. I'm signing off for the night. Have a good evening. I know you can handle it. Now, what did she really want to say? You know, but she didn't. And that's part of what we have to learn in, in, in that co-parenting section. Um, 
there's a, a, a really fun chapter to read, everybody, where, you know, we're, look, you read these books about taking the high road and the right way to, to, to handle things. But we're only human. <laughs> you know, some of us are going to want to tell off our former spouse. So um, one of the, 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 the in, in this chapter that deals with uh, some coping mechanisms, and this comes from counsel from therapists. Um, so something happens and, and, and you want to tell off your former husband because he's completely out of line. So you write one email that puts him in his place. Then you write the vanilla email that you're going to send. So the fact that you wrote that email that told him off, you're going to feel pretty good about it, but don't press send. <laughs> so this is an example of unilateral steps. Okay. You're not going to change him. He is the way he is. Now, a lot of the unilateral steps and tactics and strategies that you will be utilizing are designed to get the person to change their their the way they act but it's not a guarantee and i'll go back now to the the story that led me to write this my book mm -hmm. i talked about how very often i would go in with my therapist something happened i would have a plan mm -hmm. so i asked my ex for a custodial time switch now, now, the one thing I'll say is, and this is a, <clears throat> this advice came from a co-parenting counselor. It's very powerful. The MSA, your divorce document, you cannot view that like the Bible or the Constitution or something that can't be changed. Maybe actually the Constitution is a good example because what do we, we have like 20 something amendments because <laughs> it was written 200 years ago. And things change, right? So right. the MSA, she said, you want to look at it as a framework mm -hmm. because life will dictate changes and you need to be flexible around that. So within the MSA, there are typically a custodial calendar, a custodial structure, sorry, mm -hmm. by which the calendars are written. So, um, but you don't know what's going to happen and, you're, and, and, and you know, people get sick. Uh, uh, kids graduate, uh, relatives graduate from high school and college and get married. And sometimes you got to change the schedule. Mm -hmm. So the husband, oh, sorry, the, the, the father asked for a switch because somebody was coming in town that they want, he wanted the kids to see. Mm -hmm. And the answer was no. Okay. Now he felt he should have said yes. Maybe she should have. Um, then actually this example was me so let me i can i can switch from third person this was me um so then um i was asked for a custodial switch that i was able to do but i said i'll get back to you and i came i come in with my, with my therapist and said okay <laughs> i've asked for something she said no she i think she should have said yes i think she should it was just being difficult Mm -hmm. and she now asked me for something. I said, I'll get back to her. I'm going to go and tell her I, I made a reasonable request. You mm -hmm. made a reasonable request. Let's both say yes. Quid pro quo. Seems fair. Mm -hmm. 
And she said, Andy, that is what might seem like the right thing to do, but that's not what you're going to do. I said, what do you mean? But it's fair. I asked for something. She said, no. She asked for something. I'm going to say yes, but give me what I want. She said, no, Andy, you cannot link request. If your ex-wife is asking something of you and you can reasonably make that accommodation and it's in your children's best interest, you're going to say yes for everything. She wants a weeknight that's on your schedule. Give it to her and she gives you a weeknight that's on her schedule. She wants to swap weekends because of the, her mom's visiting. You swap weekends as long as it's not inconvenient for you, okay? Well, sorry, it can be inc inconvenient was not the word she said, as long as you can reasonably accommodate, mm -hmm. okay? You are not, you're going to continue to say yes. I think what will happen, Andy, is eventually... She'll see that you are saying yes. She'll she'll notice that you're not linking. And eventually you're going to stop hearing no's in a year and a half to two years. Well, my therapist was wrong. It took six months. And this is an this is a great story. And this, this is the story that led me to take a step back, look at my notes. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized, Arena, how my decision-making, my instincts were flawed and I needed help. And, and, and even the most reasonable men and women were not able to make reasonable decisions because we're dealing with so much emotion and disruption in our lives. This story is a great example. And my therapist was a 100% right that if my ex had a request, my children could benefit, and it was reasonable, I the right thing for me to do was to say yes, irrespective of what she does reciprocally. Mm -hmm. But eventually, she was wrong about the time frame. Mm -hmm. My ex saw that, well, I mean, he's saying yes to everything for the most part. And if I couldn't say yes, I gave her a good reason. I said, look, look, I, I, I'd like to say yes, but I can't because of this thing I have planned on this weekend or this night. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and my unilateral steps eventually resulted in a change on the other, other in the other house. Right. And this is where, this is probably one of the most powerful points in my book is that you need to focus on yourself and unilateral steps you can take. And a lot of these actions are designed to eventually result in a change of behavior on the other end. That story I gave you about the um, divorced woman on the date, mm -hmm. I actually, um, I, I'm done with the book, but I, I actually ran into her about a year ago I said, just curious. Did because uh, she 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 the, the part I didn't say, but that story is she used to engage a lot more on these texts, and when I um, interviewed her, 
she had just begun based on the guidance of her therapist changing her tactics to not engage she would answer politely and eventually say i'm checking out for the night you got this that was pretty much the message <laughs> and she said you know with with her ex who was a unique individual um there it wasn't a hundred percent but it was night and day better than what it was before he adjusted his behavior because he couldn't get the reaction. He failed to get the reaction he was seeking. So again, unilateral steps that are designed to get a change on the other side and eventually as better for you and better for your children. Yeah, yeah. What changes did you notice about yourself? Because once you change yourself, you saw a reaction from your spouse, how she complied. But personally for you, did you see the fact how you changed it? Uh, it extrapolated into other areas of your life? Oh, my God. Uh, many, many areas. So me, my, my own story is that when we first split, I, I, at that time, I was running my own business. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... My business was growing like this. Okay, I was, I was doing okay. It was a new business. Um, I was spending two to three hours a day dealing with issues around my ex, all right? Mm -hmm. And I would, she probably would say the same darn thing about me, all right? Because when you're not communicating and co-parenting well, everything takes longer. I mean, you could have 15 email exchanges just coordinating a pickup when it should just be a text okay and the once we brought the temperature down once we each began to say yes to reasonable requests and part of this i think arena is divorce is just like a cocktail of emotions you can have anger hurt uh, uh, despair, uh, uh, fatigue, worry, all these things are percolating. As these things start to dissipate, hopefully accelerated by steps you take because you check in on, reclaim your growth podcast, you read my book, um, you do personal work, you can accelerate that process. So the time I was spending dealing with my ex co-parenting and issues of disagreement kept going down. Eventually what was two to three hours a day became five or 10 minutes. And most of the contact was around logistics, which is the way it should be. Right. What happened, two things happened. Number one, my business took off, okay? Um, you imagine having an extra two or three hours a day to put into your business um, or whatever you're doing in life professionally. And ironically, shortly after that, a new person entered my life. Okay. And I'm a big believer that, you know, w w when you get divorced, let's assume for right now, there's no third party. Your marriage just ends. There's not a third party. All right. When you end your marriage, 
it's not like you had romance and intimacy up to the week before you ended the marriage. Typically, romance and intimacy ended months, if not years earlier. Okay, so it is completely normal and completely natural for those that are separated into two households to be desire to desire romance <laughs> to want it because you've been that's been absent in intimacy and romance. It's really normal. The part that I think is really powerful is while we miss it and desire it. Most of us are not ready for it on that first day. So you may be out there dating on these dating sites, but you're not emotionally ready. Okay. So, so the, the, the benefit of accelerating the process of getting along with your ex, having that anger dissipate and to get into a point where you're spending minutes dealing with him or her instead of hours is also going to align with when you're emotionally ready to bring a new partner in your life. And I am not connecting sex and intimacy, okay? Um, when I talk about intimacy, I mean, really having your heart in a place where it is um, healed to the degree to which somebody else can enter it, okay? That's not always the same thing as sex, it's about, real romance and, and bringing in a true partner. So for so many reasons, consideration for your children, consideration for your ex, and also for your own selfish well-being, accelerating the process of healing is so good and, and, and so important. And this is why I focus again on unilateral steps. You can't control what he or she is doing. You can control what you do. And a lot of the guidance that I'm offering in my book comes from brilliant therapists that's designed to shorten that period of recovery so you can get in a healthier spot and begin that next, next chapter of your life. And one of the things, there's a really interesting chapter around the beginning that called the need for speed. What does that mean? So if the decision to get divorced is made, and it's the decision that you and your ex, your, your, your spouse have reached, and it is the right decision, then the faster that's done, then the great then, then the faster the healing process can begin. You do not want to be that family that takes five or 10 years to finalize their divorce. And there are lots of couples I interviewed that fell into that camp. <clears throat> and that's going to only delay you getting to that next stage. So the need for speed is to shorten the, the window of time from the decision to divorce to finalizing the divorce and get into that next stage to also get shorten that time to where you're, you're, you're able to, you reach a point where you can co-parent effectively where your former spouse is not having as much of an emotional trigger in your life as he or she is likely to have in the early months after the divorce. Yep. Yeah. You're so right. 
uh, oftentimes uh, I call it takes time and uh, yeah we, we are rushing into things but it's important to find yourself especially after divorce to spend time on yourself and look into your things like what what do you like what do you dislike what, what uh, instead of jumping into another relationship and not having the space for a new person but having this rebound relationship that never leads anywhere so yeah yeah there there's rebound is really the perfect word and 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 let's let me just state there is nothing wrong with going out and so when you're out a bit okay what i'm talking about is after you've sold your oats a bit <laughs> and to be in a, in a place where um, somebody impactful and maybe permanent can enter your life. And that's very, very different, okay? Um, and you want to be in that place as fast as possible. And many of us going through divorce, we might think we're there, but we're really not. So, and I'll tell you in most new partners, the last thing they want to hear about is your your former wife or your former husband. You know, so if you're in a if you in the spot where you're thinking about him or her for ten minutes instead of two hours, that's also going to align with the likelihood that you can have a a new relationship that is is healthy, and you're not going to turn off a new love interest. Yes. <laughs> Question to you. What do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Um, specific to divorce, um, your children, we all know we're all adults that are listening to this. And when we all think about our childhood, we we remember a small number of, of events with precision. But beyond that, we remember big picture things. Okay, so, you know, my son plays hockey arena and he's a goalie. I always stand in the same place. I'm typically standing with the opposition parents because they're watching them shoot on goal. And I want my son to remember. He's not going to remember individual games, but he's going to remember that dad was always on the left watching me at 15 feet from the goal. That's what he's He will probably remember something big picture like that. Your children, when they are adults, will not remember precise conversations with you, particularly around your ex. They're not going to remember that. You may be having that, but they're not going to remember that. They're going to remember the big, big picture stuff. The most powerful advice I can give you that we speak about in the book, and that was given to me by the therapy community, is don't badmouth your ex. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want your child to remember when he or she's an adult. You know, dad seemed really difficult, but mom never said anything bad about him. I can't even remember one bad thing. Mom never said anything bad about dad. Dad never said anything bad about mom. This is what you want your children to remember. Now, this advice is not new. I've actually read some similar counsel in other books, Arena. But what is new is something that a children's therapist shared and, I, and, and that just absolutely floored me 
so much that I put it in the book. Your children, even at the youngest age of ages, they understand one powerful point that they are the product and they may not understand genetics and DNA, but they understand that they are the product of mom and of dad. As they get older, they understand a bit more that they are 50% mom and 50% dad. Even if they look like one or the other, they have the DNA half of each. What the therapist said is the parent who criticizes the ex. You could make a comment as simple, the child complains about something mom has done. And the dad says, well, you just touched on one of the reasons why I divorced your mom. Maybe that's accurate, but that's not the point, everybody. The point is, how is a child processing it? And per the therapist, the child processes as follows. I'm being criticized because I am half mom. I'm being criticized because I'm half dad. So in the section on co-parenting, we deal a lot with the language to use when answering questions about your ex. This is really, really important. Probably one of the most important things discussed in my book. The words you use and the words you don't use can have a powerful effect on the type of adults your children become. The general rule is don't badmouth your ex, even if it's deserved. Okay. And you can say something like, you know, I'm sorry, it's really difficult for me to hear this, but you know, my rule, I, I, I don't ever want to talk about dad. We're going to have to change the subject. But again, like I said earlier, if there's something your child is saying that suggests that they might not be safe in your former spouse's home, you can ask a few questions to understand that. But we're not, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just complaints about mom or dad. The same type of thing. And actually, to be honest with you, this same rule applies in a in a two-parent household. All right. Can't stand dad. He's saying no to everything. Well, your, your father came from a strict background. That's No, no, that's not what you say. All right? So the language that you choose to use, the words that you, 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 you use when responding to your children, when mom or dad are, are brought up, are really, really important and are going to go into the wiring of these kids and eventually the adults that they become. Yes, you are so right about the words, <laughs> not just what we say, because our mind is always listening what's coming out of a mouth, and especially children's minds as young as they are. Yeah. And parents being the figures of authority, with uh, children take their words and literally <laughs> sometimes. And yeah, well, before we leave that topic, let's let's let me give you a story that that is actually a bit different. It's not a it's not about a child who complains about the other parent. But particularly with younger children, 
they may make some innocent comments that can be really, really painful. And again, there has to be a strategy for how you're gonna answer these comments. So in this chapter, there's um, a dad who takes the kids on a Disney trip. And they just had a great time. He took time off from work. He paid for everything. And the mom happens to be out of town around Disney. And the, the exchange is actually going to occur, I guess, a half hour, hour away from the park. And, and mom's going to take the kids for the second half of, it was either winter break or summer break or whatever. All right. So the dad is just taking time off from work. He's just blown a bunch of money on Disney and driving to meet for the custodial exchange to meet his former wife. The daughter says, I miss mom so much. I can't wait to see her. Now, what did the dad, again, remember I talked about there's the response you want to say that maybe you'll type. Then there's a response that you're going to say. And this is a really, really powerful chapter. And um, what did the dad want to say? Well, it'd be really nice if your mom took some of the time that I'm taking to put ex give you experiences. Does, 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 do you have any idea how much money I've spent on this trip and what I what it took me to make this happen for you? That maybe what dad wants to say. What did he say? What should he say? I understand, sweetheart. Divorce can be tough. We we miss one parent when we're with the other. You'll be seeing mom soon. I've enjoyed my time with you so much. Yeah, I can also say something like, I get it, sweetheart. Divorce can be tough. You're probably going to miss me when you're with mom. I understand. you got to be, you got to understand how a child is thinking. Um, and again, we all recognize that these words that come from children, particularly when they're younger and very innocent, they can really hurt, but th their world is different. And it's very important for you in a two household environment to, um, to allow their world to be, to soften the blow of the separation into two households. So a vanilla response like that to what that young girl said is is, is perfect because divorce mm -hmm. is painful and it does mean that and it probably does she probably does did miss the dad when she's with the mom but he's not going to hear that all right so anyhow so so controlling your words with your children is absolutely vital mm -hmm. You're right. What is your most, uh, I call it, do you have a self-care practice that allows you to be, uh, I call it, to, to be present, to not say things that you want to say, but like you made an example. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> what is that in your life? There's there's a chapter in the book. Um, again, the book is not about Andy Heller's divorce. I was of just a guy who went through a divorce I did some things pretty good. I did a lot of things wrong. The counsel and advice in the book, it comes from the real experts. I'm just the organizer in chief. 
But one of the most interesting chapters, Arena, was uh, a story where um, the couple split up and the mom stayed in the family house. And for about three or four months, the dad stayed with friends before he got his own place. So this was their separation period. So his part of his time was in, in their former house, which was now her space. Okay. And um, the, the, the mom was completely oblivious to the fact, like a lot of divorcees are, that she was kind of verbally abusive. All right. Now that, let me just talk about that title for a second. The title verbal abuse is tossed around a lot in divorce. What I learned with my interviews is that it's, we, when a relationship has expired, very few couples are kind to one another. So there's probably verbal abuse on both sides is <laughs> not just, but you're only sensitive to what's coming towards you. All right. So, because again, the relationship has expired. There's a reason why you guys need to split into two households, but he found it particularly difficult. He was coming into her space and that it was now her space. And his time with the children was in her space. And he did not like the way he was being spoken to. And he found it disrespectful and he found it difficult. Like your question, what was his cope, coping mechanism? And this is gonna sound really, really hokey, but the therapist I shared this with said, this is brilliant. And there's, there's therapeutic uh, uh, strategies that are similar to what this, this simple dad did. So what he did before he walked into his, his, his they're still, married they were in separated period and he he pretended to put on a fictional rubber rubber suit and whatever was directed towards him it bounced off and he he actually said i would have a contest andy and i would see if okay i remember the worst thing i heard the last time i was in the house i want to see if she could top it <laughs> so he played a game but the, the thing is, every insult, every demeaning comment, every criticism of his parenting would bounce off. Boom, boom. And, and the benefit there, guys, is that he recognized he couldn't react or really answer in front of the children because that would not be in their best interest. His, so his coping mechanism not only made it easier for him, but the most important part is it took into account what his children needed to hear or not hear. And look, he knew I'll be in my own space soon enough. I just need just to let everything bounce off my chest when I'm in her space um, so my children don't hear us bickering and they don't see me affected. And it was the right thing to do. So that was a really great story of a coping mechanism that kind of sounds a little bit hokey, but it worked for that guy. And we men, we women that are find ourselves 
um, in situations where, again, so what I said earlier was you cannot ever badmouth your spouse or former spouse. That's not a guarantee that your former spouse is going to play by the same rules, guys. All right. And yeah. you may hear stuff like, well, dad says this about you, mom. Well, then your answer will be, you know, um, I'm sorry your father feels that way. But, you know, my rule in this household, he's your father. I'm not going to speak badly of your father. And then you change the topic. So you notice what just happened with that sentence, everybody. You acknowledge. You respond. Finally, you deflect. And in the chapters that deal with how to handle or uh, a former spouse who's not playing by your take the high road rules, acknowledge, respond, deflect. It works. Yes. And again, your kids, what will they remember when they're adults? They're not going to remember the, the individual conversations. They will remember that mom never badmouthed dad or vice versa. And they're going to respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Those are some great points. And I totally agree with you. It's important for kids to have that memory of their, that they have a dad and they have a mom and yeah. Let them form their own opinion without our influence because what happens between husband and wife is shouldn't kids shouldn't be <laughs> collateral damage because they, 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 parents they, 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 they should not be arena. And and well finishing up that section of what I'll say everybody is my guidance today doesn't mean it's easy. And this is why probably half of my book deals with post-divorce co-parenting. It's not just how to get through. How to get through a divorce doesn't end when you sign your MSA. It effectively ends when your kids are out of the house. And even then you're going to have graduations and marriages and some, um, and you know, maybe some family emergencies where you're going to have to deal effectively with your former partner. Um, so, so having these skills to that you can own and manage and work on unilaterally to, to me is paramount to being able to um, raise your kids to be healthy adults. The number one complaint I heard in all my interviews arena, he won't do this. She never does that. No matter what I do, he, 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 no matter what I do, she, she, she. Mm -hmm. My big picture point is put, put on our big boy pants, accept that and focus on what you can do in the mirror to manage and lessen the fact that your ex continues to do A, B, C, and D. You couldn't control that person when you were married. And you certainly can't control them now that you're divorced. The only person that can be controlled is you, yourself, and the steps that you can take to lessen that person's impact. You know, and you'll, you'll, I, I do want to say one thing about my book and the title. 
There is a mistaken inference when I say the book is take the high road, divorce with compassion for yourself and your family. <clears throat> and it's funny, I, I, I was uh, speaking to a reader who said, well, you know, I think uh, well, the person had not start, started reading the book yet. You know, mm -hmm. I, I guess what you're saying in this book is always give in, but I just don't think you know that can be pretty expensive. The opposite is true, everybody. And this comes not from me, but from attorneys. Taking the high road is going to save you money. Taking the high road is also going to reduce your stress because there is a relationship between conflict points and co financial cost and stress. So if you say, okay, I'm going to compromise on these 17 things. And I'm just not going to worry about them. I'm going to focus on these three things that are really important. Guess what? Your divorce negotiations are going to save you tens of thousands of dollars. And post-divorce, you have a much better chance of staying out of court. That's what taking the high road means. It's like, I'm going to worry about two things. I'm not going to worry about 20 things. And, and so this is, so it will save you money if you're fighting less. It will save you money, save you stress, if you have a better way to cope with the challenges you deal you, that, that you're of your ex. Yes. And what you focus on expands. So focus on the things that are relevant, that are important. Absolutely. You're going to have a better outcome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom again. I love talking with you and you bring so many important and great points. If people would like to learn more about you or where they can get your book, please let us know. Sure. Guys, just go to Amazon. That's where 95% of people get books these days. Um, it's Andy Heller, Take the High Road, Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family. Um, and my website is www.takethehighroaddivorce.com. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll include everything in the episode notes. Arena, it's, it's always a pleasure. I'm always welcome, interested in coming back. And I love what you do. And I will say my last thought to everybody is that the fact that you are listening to these podcasts that Arena puts out, to me, that's, that's positive. There's lots of people who don't recognize I could use another voice in my ear besides my own instincts and recognizing that you do need another voice, whether that voice comes from Arena, uh, a, a book like mine, a therapist, a combination of these. I think that that's fabulous that you're taking the steps and you're going to, you're on a path to accelerate the process of landing in, in a healthy place. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Arena. Have a, have a great weekend. You too. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, 
mindset and support for relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you because you are limitless.